You are tuning in to the most stylish program on planet Earth. Welcome to another episode of the Take It Off Show. I am your host, Andarji. The rise of photos, I think we can say, have taken over with Instagram, Facebook, now AIs. I don't really know what's next, but hopefully this next guest can give us a hint. He is a world-renowned photographer. He has shot for GQ UK, Vogue Mexico, Vogue India, Vogue Brazil. Please welcome fashion photographer Raul Tovar. Hello, how are you? Good. It's so great to have you here. You came to New York all the way from Mexico by yourself. Did you know that you were going to be in all of these famous brands and campaigns and with models? I mean, is that what you told your parents initially you were leaving for? Um, I don't think that's what I told them. Um, mm. I just don't, I don't think they will have understand that. Um, I just told them that I needed to come to New York and that big photographers live in New York and that's where all the magazines and the models and the uh, agencies are and that's what I needed to kind of like be in order to start my career. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to work out so I didn't go go ahead to tell them that. And what was their reaction? Um, they were very supportive ever since the beginning. They were super, super supportive. Um, they love um, the, the idea that I dedicate my life to whatever I was happy doing and whatever I was good at it. So they were very, very supportive from the beginning. So I was, I was very lucky on that. And so you, you land in New York, you're young, you have fresh ideas. How did you end up getting your first photography job? Um, you know, that's a question that I get often and I never know how to answer it because I think there was a series of things that helped me to get connected and all that. But I remember, uh, one of the first gigs that I did, um, somebody had put me in touch with like, a um, with like a girl that was, uh, that worked in PR at one, at one brand and I emailed her a few times and, you know, a few weeks later she responded back and she said, Hey, Raul. Uh, we're going to have the fashion show from like this brand that I'm working on. Um, I already have all the photographers and everything, but I can uh, give you a pass for the show. You can come take some pictures and just kind of like do your thing, whatever. I was like, okay, fine. You know, I just wanted to have something to do during fashion week and all that. So she gave me a pass. I went to the show. I photographed the show. Uh, it was amazing. It was kind of like my first kind of like fashion show and it was amazing. And I took some pictures excuse me and um i would say like a few days later she called me and she said that oh you know the gq uh wants the photos uh like they like it might give the photos to them i was like sure perfect so i guess through that job i was connected to a few people and you know weeks mm -hmm. later she also asked me you know this designer now needs a portrait photo for like another edition of gq are you able to take a photo of him i was like sure and I would think that doing the, uh, those gigs here and there, uh, that's how kind of like I got started and I got to meet a few people and then they connected me to some other people. And that was kind of like a good start, I would say. Do you remember your very first photo shoot? I know it must have been a long time ago. Um, 
what was my first photo shoot? I, you know, I don't know. Like if you if you ask me about like like a first photo shoot, you know, I, when I was in school, I used to do all these shoots with my sisters uh, to kind of like build my portfolio. So those were one of them. But I would say my first professional photo shoot was probably that headshot, um, that headshot portrait that I did for this designer um, uh, named Michael Bastian. Uh, he had a menswear line in New York City, and I think that was kind of like, I would say, my first photo shoot in New York City. Were you nervous? Were you excited? Was it a mixture? I, I was very nervous. I was very nervous to meet this person, you know. Uh, I was very excited on the same page. Uh, but I think I was very young, so I think I was like maybe 24, 25 at the time. So I think I was very young, so I, I didn't think about it much to be honest um i guess if i will get to do that job now i get more nervous than even before even though i know more things than the things i used to know uh, but i think it's because you know as you grow old you are um more scared of things you you are more kind of like um self-aware of your mm. weakness and, and and i think i think that's what happened but yeah i was i was excited i was nervous but i think i wasn't as i would be maybe today and you've been doing this for, oh my God, probably how many years? Twenty. Well, not really. I I, I started picking up the camera when I was maybe twenty years old, uh, back in Mexico, and um, and then in two thousand eleven, when I was twenty four, I moved to New York, and I started doing it in New York. But it took me a few years to kind of like get connected. So. I always like to say that I've been doing it professionally for like maybe 10 years. Okay, so 10 years. In the t in the 10 years that you have been taking pictures, do you have a proudest moment so far? There, there's always many um, milestones, you know, that as a photographer, as a creative, mm -hmm. you are crossing every year. But I would say um, maybe the first time I saw my photos print on Vogue magazine, uh, maybe mm -hmm. that was one of like, a good moment um and i called my parents and i told them to go to the supermarket and bought like as many magazines as they could you know <laughs> and then yeah and then um and then maybe later it was when i photographed like uh like an art model that i always wanted to work with um what else uh, l last year i got the opportunity to work with rosalia so that was another milestone i think every year you do something and then um, there's always a new goal, you know, there's always a new goal or there's always something new that I want to do. And she has been a huge success, not only in Latin America, but also internationally as well. Correct. You, yeah. Correct, correct. So that, and I saw that too, for the Met Gala, that was really exciting. It, yeah. Through this, all of these adventures, these ups and downs with COVID going on, what was the toughest lesson that you learned in the industry? I am still learning that lesson, and I think it mm. is that things take time. Uh, good things take time to happen. And there has been so many projects that I wanted to do since years ago, and some of them had happened like had to happen like years after. Some of them still not happened yet. So I think one of the biggest um, lessons that I learn every day is that things take time, and you know, time is everything, and every person has its own time um and that you know comparing to yourself is yourself with other people is like the worst you can do because you of course will find people who is 
more successful than you, uh, who has better gigs than you, who knows more than you, you know? Uh, that's what they, they say, comparison is a thief of joy. It, it actually is. So I think every day mm. I try to just focus on my work, try to do better, try to learn more, um, and just trusting that the time is going to work for my projects and wishes to happen. And you talk about your wishes. What are some goals that you wish could happen or some things that you still haven't tried yet that you are curious about experimenting with? Well, there's so many other things, so many things that I want to accomplish in the world of photography. You know, there's so many magazines that I, I want to work with and I haven't had the opportunity to do it. Um, there's so many models that I want to photograph that I haven't had opportunity. Um, I want to do more celebrity work. Um, mm. So there's many more celebrities that I want to work with. So there's always something that I, it's on my list. But I would say there's a few uh, titles of magazine and a few celebrities and a few brands that I want to work with that, that are on my list. And I'm, every day I'm trying to work towards that goal. And some of these celebrities now have changed i mean people who have large followings on instagram could be considered celebrities now um mm -hmm. l large followings on we've really seen the shift in social media mm -hmm. how do you think with instagram it's helped your work or has it hindered as a photographer um i think it's i would say it's good and bad uh, it's good in a sense of like it's a free tool, uh, kind of, it's a free tool that helps you showcase your work mm -hmm. and be seen by multiple people around the world, you know, in all places and time zones and languages and all that. So I like that. Um, I like that you don't need anybody to, to, to publish your work and all that. Um, is it bad? Maybe sometimes in a sense of like, sometimes you can get lost and you can get into a spiral of like, comparing your work with others mm. or just kind of like seeing the accomplishments of other people. And then, mm -hmm. so I think I try to be very careful when, when it comes to that and try to limit my time and try to not um, be too engaged in those things. And I like to think that half of the things that I see there, half of them are true. The other half are really kind of like a fantasy. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's good and bad. And, and also it, makes it feel like almost anyone can be a photographer because they can do some small edits on an app which I don't I don't know if that's true or not but as a photographer how do you it feels like the competition is expanded from the outside looking yes. in yes it, yes of course yeah yeah how do you make sure that your work still stands out or do you have to kind of take it up a notch now um very good question I think um I think the biggest thing is with the democratization of like cameras and the mm -hmm. internet, you know, everybody has access to do this thing, which is great, mm -hmm. right? It, it's great, it's, it's easier to become a, an artist or a creative and it's easy to get your work uh, seen and all that stuff. So I, I like that idea that it could be an opportunity for everybody. Um, but of course, you know, there's, there's gonna be a time when uh, or maybe it's that time now where we have so many things to look at, so many photographers, so many images every day that mm. our attention span just kind of like, you know, it's becoming like very little and very like the, to the tolerance for images that we have is just little because we see so many things every day. 
Um, it's and I see this every time when I, I don't, it's oversaturated, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I see every time when I, I don't know, I post a photo that I'm so proud of and for a project that we did and I, I don't know, I think it's going to be amazing and everybody's going to like it and I post it and no one cares. Uh, and then, I don't know, I post like the new pair of shoes that I bought the other day and like suddenly everybody cares and likes about that. So oh. it's always a very weird, it's always a very weird um, and a strange um, world. You really never know what people is reacting to. But I think the only way that you can kind of like um, make yourself jump out of the page is just by doing your best work by having trying to create a style and trying to be consistent in what you do so people will see your images and will remember your name or will like associate them to you it takes time it's not easy it takes a lot of time uh, in finding yourself in the style you know spectrum and what do, what do i want to photograph what what, what do i want to say with my images what do i want to sell with them what do I stand for? What kind of beauty do I like? What kind of color? All that stuff. So I think by being focused and being persistent is, is the best way to just kind of like build a body of work that then will be so strong that people will just recognize amongst any other photographers. And sometimes it's challenging too because the beauty sometimes in the picture a lot of time, well, a lot of times it focuses on the model. When you are on set with a model, what do you say mm -hmm. to get the best out of them? Is it do this with your arm, make this faces? Are you one of those photographers who's more philosophical? Imagine yourself dancing on a cloud with a margarita. I mean, mm -hmm. wh what is your style with them? I try to direct as much as I can. Okay. I, I, I try to, uh, I, do, I do not do well on, well, maybe I do, but like, uh, I don't. I do not like um, how do you say uh, improvising things. I like to plan stuff. I'm a planner. I like to know mm -hmm. what things uh, what things are gonna look like. What's gonna happen? You know, that's probably the reason why I love to see movies twice or three times because I like to know what's gonna happen at the end. But um, I usually like to like um, come prepare on set. I build a mood, mood board uh, of images. Um, I come early and I show them all to all the team that is gonna be working with us. Um, and these people sometimes they are very, uh, they have been familiar with these images because we have been talking for like weeks, if not months, about this project. But when it comes to the models, I like to, you know, connect with them first. I, usually, when they are in the makeup chair, I go there and I sit down with them and I, um, you know, try to chat and just connect, you know, over anything that is not work. Uh, what do you like? Where are you from? You know, tell me about you. Uh, what are you scared of? What are you excited for? All these things. And I noticed that if you connect with them later on when they go on set and they're ready, anything that you can ask them, they're going to give it to you, right? But how, mm -hmm. how are you going to be asking something to someone if you haven't given them anything first? So first you have to give them your confidence, your trust. Uh, they have to feel that, you know, you care about them. Um, so I usually try to tell them all these things that, 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 we, that we do on set to care about them, you know. Give them, give them some privacy, offer them whatever, uh, breakfast, lunch, uh, juices, anything they need. Um, always tell them, if you need anything, let me know, I'll, I'll make it happen. So I think if you take care of them, then the models can do wonders for you. And of course, if you want to ask them to do, to be on the floor and to dance and to smile or to cry or whatever, you need to be willing to also uh, um, 
make them comfortable. And, you know, also it, it, I always try to kind of like make myself a little bit of a clown, you know, if I need to, if I want to ask them to pose in a specific way and maybe I try to show them how I do it and just kind of like making myself vulnerable, it helps them just to feel confident. And I bet that, that really helps with celebrities as well. I know earlier we were talking about you've worked with Kendall Jenner, Rosalia, Maluma, the list goes on. <laughs> what is it like working with these guys? Is it exciting? Is it kind of draining? Do you have to sign an NDA so maybe you can't answer us? No, it's, it's it, of course you have to sign papers here and there. Uh, yeah. But working with celebrities is very different uh, than working with models. You know, models, uh, I always this tell people that models are, are kind of like a, this white canvas that you can do uh, almost anything you wish with them. And they can, they are your perfect uh, partners in crime because they kind of like these are a white canvas that you tell them an idea and they transform themselves with your mm -hmm. help and they become this thing that you want them to become. And that's the that's the job of a great model, is to become whatever the photographer wants. And of course, there's models who are famous and successful because they have a lot of personality and they kind of like put a little bit of themselves into every work they do. Mm -hmm. um, and that's great. But working with celebrities is a little bit different. Celebrities love and are used to see themselves in just a very specific way. Um, mm. so it's kind of like super hard for them sometimes to put their guard down and just to be more available or, uh, vulnerable, you know, so they're probably not going to be likely to sit down on the floor or to like cry or to whatever. You can do that. And that's, you're an amazing photographer. You get to do one celebrity to do whatever you're saying, but you have to connect them as well. But it's a little bit harder. They come with different people, they come with publicists, they come with assistants, they come with managers and PR. So it's sometimes they're the nicest people, but sometimes their entourage that comes with them is whoever is telling you like, oh, you know, she's tired and you need to be quick and she doesn't want to do this and she doesn't want to wear that. So usually when I, when I work with celebrities, I always tell my friends that I'm more of like a psychologist or like a therapist than a photographer because I'm literally just solving people's problems and insecurities when it comes to that. I, I completely understand what you're saying. I've said this before when I've interviewed celebrities. I said, I think the celebrities are great, but you know, sometimes it's not them. It's like their publicist or it's their manager. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's their group that you, you're not yeah, dealing with that one person. Yeah. yeah, which I think about this all the time because I will always say if I was one of them, I will have a team around me that is nice and easy to work with. Yes. Like I will not want people to think of my team as mean or, uh, you know, like rude or anything. But, uh, you know, uh, on the flip side, uh, sometimes when you don't put a little bit of boundaries and control, then some people might going to try to kind of like um, abuse, you know, and, and I think with a celebrity, uh, if you are a manager or a PR, you hire to kind of like take care of this person. Mm. Um, so I think there's 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 a there's a balance, right? There has to be a balance. But mm. most of the time, celebrities are very nice. Kendall was super nice when we were together, um, and I thought it was gonna not gonna be the case. I thought it was gonna be literally the worst day of my life. Um, <laughs> oh really? Because yeah, yeah, because you know, like she has worked with some of the best photographers around the world and the best stylists and in the best places. So I was like, what is she going to care about my pictures? You know, mm -hmm. but she was nice. She came on time and we exchanged a few words. It was super quick. 
Um, but she was very nice. Uh, Rosalia, well, I can talk about Rosalia for like the whole day. She's really like a true artist, like like a true artist, like the nicest person I have probably worked with. Um, very, um, very, uh, she cares so much about what you were doing with her, whether it's pictures or video or what music, she just kind of like, she wants to be like a good person and she wants to kind of like help you. Uh, and she's Aww. amazing. Uh, yeah, I love it. Her music is amazing. And I, yeah. And I know what you're talking about as far as like sometimes a publicist has to be a certain way because they don't want the artist or the model or the talent to get taken advantage of. Exactly. And, exactly. And uh, speaking of taking advantage of, I know this has been affecting every field, but the whole Me Too movement conversation, how, mm-hmm. when that arised, how did that conversation go about with fashion photographers in that world? Have you noticed any changes, any different conversations taking place now? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, they, they, I don't know if you're referring to this, but there was actually the same way in the, there was a Me Too movement in Hollywood. There was a Me Too movement in photography and in fashion. Uh, mm. I think it was in 2000, kind of like 19, uh, when, you know, there was a lot of like uh, people speaking up about like their experiences with working with certain photographers. So after that, the whole world shift. Uh, those photographers are not kind of like working anymore for these magazines or brands um and that kind of like opened the way to and paved the way to for so many new talent to come into the picture and just start like doing the work um and yes of course you you know mm-hmm. because i, I always want to say like I, I was always very respectful and I, I always take pride on being like super nice with everybody uh, on set i you know for me it was just like whatever like uh, i'm just gonna keep working in the same way that i've been working mm-hmm. uh but of course you know some some people really have to take care of like the, the words they say you know if you're a stylist and 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 you're working with a specific type of model then you know there's different there's a difference in saying oh this doesn't fit her or like uh this is not her size you know things mm-hmm. like that um to make people more comfortable and i think i'm glad that happened and i'm glad we're having those conversations. Of course, there's always going to be the extreme, and so people are going to try to take that to the super, super extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's, there's that is the balance that you have to take care. Of. And and yeah, there, there was a huge shift. Um, so many more photographers are um, are working out thanks because of that. Um, so many models are working out. So now because of that, like the, the industry is a little bit more inclusive. Uh, you see a little bit more diversity in campaigns or in magazines. People from all of colors, shapes, and ethnicities and preferences are given opportunities more often than before. And there's still like a lot of things that we need to do, but I think we are on the right side. And, and we've definitely come a long way. I remember when I was hearing about it in the models, a lot of models were speaking out about mm-hmm. um, when they had to do kind of sexy scenes. And I, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think the issue so much, even today, I think that you are still allowed to do sexy scenes for editorial. I think they, mm-hmm. they were just saying that um, they were a bit exploited. So I wonder today when you still do those sexy scenes, is mm-hmm. it more everything has to be consensualized, everything has to be agreed beforehand? Or, you know, back in the day, I'm sure they were just a little bit more straightforward with them. Yeah, back in the day, to be honest, uh, photographers had so much power uh, mm. and models have zero power. 
back in the day. So if you were a photographer, one of these big top photographers, and you're telling this girl, like, you know, I need to do a nude scene and you need to take off your bra. You know, these girls mostly influenced by their agents telling yeah. them to do everything in order to succeed. They will do anything they want. So that is kind of like abuse of power, right? Um, but I think it's, it always has to have been very consensual. It always has to be uh, agreed, but it was never the case. So right now, when you're going to do something like that, um, that is called nudity um, on editorial, you have to agree with the agent first. And oh, the model okay. has to agree first before the day. So if there's kind of like an idea of a picture you want to do, or there's kind of like a certain dress that is a little bit more uh, revealing, you have to disclose that before and there has to be kind of like an agreement. There's no way that you can tell a model on set now, you know, like, let's take your bra off. So everything has to be. Um, and of course, even though if you're going to do that, there's ways to do it in a way so the model feels more um, secure. You know, you can just, as you might know, usually when you do a photo shoot for like a Vogue or something like that, there's like 20 people on set. So if, if you want to do a scene like that, maybe... They don't, they don't need to be 20 people on set, you know, they can be three people on set. And you mm -hmm. can do, put some curtains and you can do it like quickly and fast. So there's many ways in which as a photographer or as a producer or as an editor, you can take care of a model uh, in order to keep doing those pictures because, you know, some, some might agree that there is still editorial work and whatever, but there's ways to do it. You have to agree before the model has to be um, agree uh, on it. Uh, she has to be, I think over 18 years old mm. um, for to do that. And she has to be uh, 16 and above to uh, be on set. Uh, that is minimum age. Um, so yeah, there's many measures right now um, that exist in order to avoid this kind of like abuse of power that was going on before. And it sounds like it's changing really for the better, which is good news to hear. Yes, yes. I think I think it's definitely di different than it was maybe five years ago when this news broke. Um, there's still so many things I need to change, to be honest. And but mm. I think you know, change is slow, and yeah. it, it it doesn't happen overnight. And that's something that sometimes we forget, and we want to see just things changing like the next day. And change is slow, and you know, it has to change has to pass generations and times and years and eras and decades and trends and speaking of times and eras and decades if there's anyone that you could photograph dead or alive who would it be mm -hmm. i think it's always my same answer i think is rihanna as right now i would mm. love to photograph rihanna rihanna is um rihanna is like I think to me, Rena is like the definition of the world of fashion. I think, I think, I imagine that she will do anything that I ask her to do. If it's, if she thinks it's a good idea, I think she will be game for everything. And that's what I love about Rihanna. So I think Rihanna will be one of them. She's a really good one. She, <laughs> I, I, I've seen so many of her photo shoots. She's not really shy around experimenting with different looks. She loves fashion. She loves fashion. Yes. She loves fashion. She loves creativity. She loves images. So she's a she's a true artist, and that's why when you collaborating with somebody like that, um, it's only electric because like any idea that you can think of, they can just help you to bring it to reality. And do you have a dream collab with any fashion brands or any fashion mm -hmm. magazines? You do. Yes, I do. I think my dream will be a Prada campaign. Prada is one of my favorite brands. Mm. I love what they do with the images. 
um i love their their aesthetic and what they stand for and just kind of like what it means for um the world of fashion and design uh so yeah i think our product campaign uh will be it's in my it's in my um how do you say wish list wish list yeah bucket list yes (laughs) and would this be for prada men or women or both Oh, Prada women, Prada women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't do much men. I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't do much um, menswear or anything. So yeah, Prada women. I, I think menswear has also shifted a little bit more too. We're seeing now more feminine influences, in mm-hmm. a, and it, in a way where it's still considered heterosexual but fun, too. Yes, it's not as rigid as it was before. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's probably I, I was. That's probably why I was never kind of like a good photographer for men. I think it, I found it like a little bit boring because you couldn't do much things with them. You know, they needed to look mm. like very masculine in like certain ways. So at some point, you run out of ideas. And of course, there's many amazing photographers that photograph men, and uh, like uh, I admire them so much. But as personally, I I always had more fun with women with their clothes and I feel like I found that they were more uh, collaborative and more creative and they would like do more things. And I want to switch gears for a second because you are the Mm co-founder of Windows Wear. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. Windows Wear is the largest um, database of retail and business merchandising Um, uh, brands and creatives and um, all sort of like creatives visually. Uh, basically, use Windows Wear uh, in order to stay in the know what's happening around the world of visual merchandising in retail and e-commerce. Uh, so, if you work for like a, a specific brand, you might want to know what your competitors at the other brands are doing when it comes to their window displays, their stores, their pop-ups, their packaging, social media, email marketing, and all that. And how did you come up with this idea? Um, when I moved to New York in 2011, I used to work at a store uh, as a photographer with um, with my with my business partner John Harry, um, and he used to own this women's store in Soho. And at that time, we were um, I was working at the store. It was a store that was showcasing um, Indian designers that were very big in India, but not necessarily big in the U.S. Mm. Uh, so it was kind of like uh, a store for that. And it was the beginning of e-commerce. So my job at the store was photograph to photograph the clothes and the mannequins and then put those pictures in the website so people could buy these dresses or skirts, whatever, from on the internet. Um, so we did that and we discovered that we worked really well together. And maybe a year after John left and um, I left the store as well because I was like just getting busy with other projects. And he called me maybe like a year and a half later after that. And she, he, he said something like, hey, are you still in New York? And I was like, yes. He's like, okay, uh, can we do lunch tomorrow? There's somebody that I want to introduce you to. So we went for lunch and he introduced me to Mike Nemso, which is our other business partner and co-founder. And they told me kind of like the idea that they wanted to do with Windows Wear. And they, they told me, you know, there's so many brands taking photo us. There's so many brands building these amazing window displays uh, and nobody is taking photos of them. There's no record. They're going to take them down in like 30 days and they're going to build something different and nobody's going to mm. have like a clue of what happened. So they were like, can we photograph them somehow? Can we do an archive? Can we do a database of this? And I was like, sure. So I was kind of like in charge to kind of like set up a plan and how 
how will we execute that? And the next day we went to uh, an office and we signed a lease for an office and we started working together ever since. Oh, wow. It sounds like yeah. a lot of your life journeys have been through creating very meaningful relationships. Sometimes people say that quote, it's not what you know, but who you know. And yes. Do you have, do people come back to you in your life and say, oh, I remember him for being this. I remember him for having this characteristic. Do you always try to leave a, a certain mark or impression on people? All the time. I, honestly, it's very rare that's, and maybe this is how my, just my personal life has worked, but it's very rare that somebody that doesn't know me gives me a job or a project. Most of my work and projects come from people that somehow I work with or they're friends of friends or they saw my work because they were somehow involved in a project that I did in the past. Um, and that's why I always tell people to just kind of like keep a good relationship and be nice and just you never know who's going to who's going to show up in your life again, you know, in 10 years, in five years, in a much more powerful position than the time that you met them before. So, um, yes, it's always been like that. It's always been a little bit of like... Um, who you know and that's sometimes that's also unfortunate because there are so many jobs and projects that i want where i don't know anybody um, <laughs> so i'm like do i ever gonna am i ever gonna get there but you know sometimes the universe lines and and if you keep doing your work and just uh making your magic i'm sure the universe will conspire for that and do you have any long-term dreams and goals for windows wear Yes, we I want we want Windows World to be like a like a tool for everybody in the creative industry and in the creative field. So yes, we have that dream, and I hope to it works one day. And yeah, maybe we can sell it maybe one day to one of those biggest biggest billionaires. That would be a dream. And before we get you out of here, how can the listener connect with you, watch your journey, all of that good stuff? Yeah. Thank you. Um, my website is uh, raultovar.com, R-A-U-L-T-O-V as in Victor, A-R.com. And what else? I'm on Instagram as Raul Tovar. Um, and yeah, on TikTok, I'm not going to give you my TikTok because I'm embarrassing on TikTok. But <laughs> if, if you find well, me, then, then we'll see you there. Will we see a few dances? No, no dancing. No dancing. No? I, need, I need somebody who tells, I need somebody who your age that can teach me how to do TikTok, but I'll find that. <laughs> later i hope so if you guys find this tiktok please let me know yeah yeah and and i need some uh some feedback um if there's anybody there listening that is good at tiktok send me an email uh i'll be happy to listen to some feedback raul tobar ladies and gentlemen thank you raul thank you you've been amazing thank you for your uh your questions very smart questions i don't think anybody has asked me this very specific type of questions before and I love them. They're usually the same, but I, I really love you. I can see that you did your research and I appreciate that. That's what's out, that's what's in. See you next week on next week's trend. Follow me at Take It Off Show and I'll see you next Tuesday at 5 p.m.